think sometimes it's even hard for women to articulate to their partners what they're going through because they they don't really know what they're going through. Sometimes it's hard for them to to pinpoint that because they may not have had any education or literacy around what's actually happening in their body. Um, secondly, it can be unpredictable as well. And, and sometimes it can feel almost like a bit of a loss of, loss of control and they, their body and their minds are changing. That was Stacey Cuccio. I'm Rich Bolas and this is the Dad Mindset Show. Thank you for joining me today in diving into a subject that might seem taboo, especially amongst guys. I'm talking about perimenopause. Now, considering it can have such a meaningful impact on, well, 50% of the people we know and love, I thought it's something that we should all be a bit more aware and mindful of. So I'll let Stacey introduce herself as she does it way better than I ever could. Sure. I'm a qualified naturopath and nutritionist. And I run a business called Cultivating Wellness and I consult with people from many different backgrounds, um, predominantly though rural and remote um, folks. And I work with a few different businesses as well. So one of them is off the track training and I do all their nutrition consulting. Uh, Yeah, so I do one-on-one and group work and I'm very lucky to do what I do. Thanks, Stacey. Now, as always, the content of this podcast doesn't constitute nor should it be considered specific medical advice. As with all medical, physical and health queries you might have, the best place to start is with your own health practitioner. That being said, though, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Stacey Cuccio. Stacey, so good to be here visiting you and adam it's so good to see you guys isn't it amazing it's been so good having you guys here yeah the kids have had an absolute ball um so thank you from the bottom of our hearts for putting up with us and being (laughs) hosts with the most um but it was something you said the other day that absolutely blew my mind and it was when you'd just come off doing a webinar to hundreds of women about menopause and you said it's essentially like going through puberty backwards Mm. can you just unpack that for me please yeah absolutely so if we think about puberty it is a sequence of events and it's relatively predictable in terms of you know there's five phases of puberty during puberty there is uh, you know emotional changes there are physical changes um you know the exact timing of that sort of varies you know for for differently for each child um but they they all progress through you know a certain sequence of events i suppose and during puberty we get an increase in hormones so for women for example girls they'll get an increase in progesterone and estrogen and that causes all sorts of changes, you know, in the body. Um, and so during perimenopause, it's really the same in the sense that it is, it is a sequence of events. Um, and there are four to five stages, depending on sort of who, who you read and, who, and what you're following there. Um, you know, and instead of an increase in these hormones, estrogen, progesterone, there is a decline of them. So... You know, it has been referred to as second puberty or reverse puberty. Um, you know, and and also I think there can be, you know, a lot of uncertainty for the person going through 
puberty and in some ways there's a lot of sort of um, there's a lot of change that happens as well you know and with that can come some some uncertainty um, it's all very new and I think about both of them as being essentially like a software upgrade um, and you're graduating to a new period of your life so once you go through puberty for example and you become you know, a teenager, you're not necessarily, well, you're never going to go back to being a child. So you've graduated to the next, the next level. And that software update has helped you to get there. And it's very similar, you know, with perimenopause as well. Wow. I I mean, what, what does peri mean? So often, you know, when we, when we hear about menopause, um, it's often just referred to as someone has gone through menopause or they're going through menopause, but actually when we speak of that, really what, what someone's talking about is they're going through perimenopause because menopause is really just sort of, it's almost a moment in time once you've transitioned through those sort of four phases that I talked about. Perimenopause is really the lead up to that. And so, you know, that can take anywhere between two and 12 years uh, for a woman to go through these different stages of perimenopause. Um, but typically it's about four to six years. Yeah. It's kind of staggering for me. I'm 47 years old and I have no idea about this stuff. I've heard menopause being mentioned many times, but if you asked me to explain what it was, I wouldn't know what it was. And I kind of realize now, almost embarrassingly so, that, you know, my wife and, you know, my sister and so many people I know and love are going through this thing that I know nothing about. And it seems like it's a really meaningful change that has some drastic in some cases consequences or at least like really physical changes that I I should at least know about so that I can you know understand or maybe even I don't know whether I can even help but at least try and be a bit more understanding or yeah do whatever I can to, to not be a a useless tool sort of sat on the sidelines <laughs> complaining about why something's not happening the way it used to happen. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think is the, the general understanding amongst men and women about what menopause is? Yeah, I think, well, even amongst, you know, I, I think sometimes it's even hard for women to articulate to their partners what they're going through because they, they don't really know what they're going through. Sometimes it's hard for them to, to pinpoint that because, they may not have had any education or literacy around what's actually happening in their body. Um, secondly, it can be unpredictable as well. And, and sometimes that it can feel almost like a bit of a loss of, loss of control and they, their body and their minds are changing. And so, you know, it's, as you say, I think the biggest thing is that it's, it's not even necessarily an understanding. It's just, it's just communication. And really, I think as a partner, always sort of saying, what can I do to help? You know, how are you today? Tell me what's going on. How, how are you feeling? And really sort of troubleshooting that together and not really trying to solve anything for your partner, but really just being there for them and knowing that that process is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, it's really not, um, it's not something that happens overnight. And so, you know, the fastest transition through that is two years, you know, which is still a two-year process. But to be honest, that that's really the exception, you know, not the rule for women. So um, I think the other the other thing too, Rich, is that, you know, we've learned so much more about, about perimenopause 
and this sequence of events that happens, especially just in the last decade or so. I mean, I, I was, I studied, oh, it was, you know, I started studying 18 years ago now, 17, 18 years ago. Uh, and and we didn't know what we know now about this sort of software upgrade information. So we know when a woman goes through perimenopause, for example, it's not just that she's coming to the end of her reproductive reproductive life and she, you know, her eggs are being depleted and she's becoming less fertile and her menstrual cycle, the period is changing. It's actually that her entire metabolic health is changing, you know, her entire immune system is sort of going through a recalibration stage. And this is why often we can see uh, an increased prevalence of autoimmune conditions, for example, during perimenopause. Um, You know, her uh, cardiovascular health is changing, but I suppose the site that, or the part of the body that arguably goes through the most amount of change is the brain. And so with that comes a myriad of symptoms, you know, with that can be uh, brain fog and lack of concentration and a a decreased ability to multitask. there may be, you know, a higher stress uh, um, response, I suppose, or an increased strength sensitivity to stress. There can be anxiety. There can be depression for some women. There can be uh, insomnia. You know, these are all arguably neurological and brain-based changes. And so while the brain is, is basically adjusting and adapting to decreasing levels of estrogen and decreasing levels of progesterone it is vulnerable and it's vulnerable to um i suppose some of the lifestyle based choices that that we make so for example if a woman you know historically has dealt with stress with having you know a tub of ice cream or a bowl of ice cream and a glass of wine during perimenopause those things don't necessarily help you know, they can actually exacerbate her symptoms. And so often the things that someone has done to to get them through that stress are actually exacerbated and they no longer help. So it's really important, I think, that 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 woman has, you know, as much support as she can get during during that time. Um, because it is a vulnerable period. And you know, there are many ways, I think, especially that partners can, can help. And instead of saying, would you like a glass of wine? Perhaps I've, I've booked you a massage for tomorrow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about to have a weekend away with your girlfriends? You know, just just ways in which she can really, really, truly give herself um, more care, I suppose, yeah. in time. It must be really challenging as well because I imagine at that stage, certainly in life, I imagine a lot of women feel like they're, they're – they're much more in control. They have so much more agency. You know, they've they've had their families. They're they're you know, running families, probably businesses, all sorts of stuff like that. But then to go through like brain fog and and almost feel like a lot of your superpowers are being extracted from you must be really challenging from an identity perspective as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I often get women say things to me like, oh, I, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like, I think I'm losing my mind, you know, during perimenopause. And I often say to them, I don't think you're losing your mind, but your <laughs> mind is changing. Yeah. You know, it is changing. And so perhaps this is this is actually, you know, I feel and some experts in this field um, believe as well that this is actually a window of opportunity you know, is an opportunity to actually um, really, I suppose, reevaluate, you know, your life load and 
how you're spending your time and how you're looking after yourself. And this is a time where if you can invest in yourself a little bit more during perimenopause and get more sleep and, you know, eat all those good things that the brain really needs and lower the load of alcohol and get moving more and and do some things that you know are actually really, really going to help, you know, for stress, for example, then it can really set you up in terms of the, the entire postmenopausal chapter. And a lot of women now are li- living longer in the postmenopausal window than they are in, the reproductive, in their reproductive sort of window. And so we want to be setting ourselves up for robust health, you know, during that time. And this is a window of opportunity to do that. So perimenopause has been referred to as a critical window of health um, because there is so much change. So, you know, it can, yeah, it, I suppose it, it's an it's an opportunity really to sort of stop and, and reassess things. Is it, I mean, it, it, it makes me think of like food, nutrition, especially. Is there like a big change around that? And, and the way you exercise, those sort of things. You, you're talking about the, the well, well, these are the things that I think of immediately when you talk about health. And so what are those things that I guess should be paid more attention to when it comes to reassessing your, you know, your life load and then how you do take care of yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to, speak about exercise nutrition because that's my my lane or my lanes but you know in terms of um the profound impact that obviously movement can have on on mood on sleep quality on cognitive function for example it becomes really really important during perimenopause to be moving your body effectively but also for women strength-based exercise is just critical you know in terms of resistance and actually making sure that Um, whilst you've got this window of opportunity, especially with estrogen still in the body in a certain level to actually be utilizing that to the best of best of your ability and actually be sort of depositing that into your muscles and your bones essentially. And so, you know, it does require, I think some shifts in terms of, of perhaps how someone has historically exercised. So, you know, lifting heavy shit is really important during perimenopause essentially and really challenging those muscles um, and bones essentially so exercise is critical but in terms of nutrition I mean that's another it's another big one as well and even if we just sort of speak about brain health and we know nutrients like magnesium zinc certain amino acids essential fatty acids you know they all become really really important not just for our hormones during perimenopause and to help with some of those symptoms but also in terms of brain health but we know i mean one of the symptoms that um that often in the first couple of stages of perimenopause those first couple of years before the onset of say hot flushes or um you know even hair thinning and those sorts of things that can happen in the later sort of stages of perimenopause but the first couple of stages often a woman will say things like I'm I'm just feeling really I've lost my mojo you know I really feel like I'm unresponsive to exercise I'm not sort of benefiting from that anymore I haven't changed my diet and yet I'm getting a meno belly I'm getting a you know I'm getting this belly that I've never had and I don't know what's going on and so usually because as as a woman who progresses through these stages as well, she will generally become a little more inflamed. Um, so inflammation can go up, 
And because of the hormone changes, often there's a natural tendency towards insulin resistance as well. And so this can mean that she may not be utilizing carbohydrates and glucose um, as effectively as perhaps she did when she was in her 20s and 30s. So that can contribute to more abdominal sort of weight gain, um, especially if protein isn't adequate and exercise, um, you know, isn't isn't regular as well, especially strength-based exercise. So, you know, from a dietary perspective, there are many things that, that someone can do to support themselves through each particular phase, essentially, um, so that they're really reducing the negative impacts of a lot of these symptoms. Because of course, not every woman will get symptoms as well. Um, and every woman will experience this differently too. So, you know, I think, yeah, there are many factors with diet. Um, but I would say one of one of the big guns is, you know, is around, you know, protein and exercise um, and just making sure there's enough fuel, you know, enough of those really, really important nutrients. Is it essentially like, because you've probably lived, I don't know, 20 years or something in a very static way, you know, if you had a certain exercise routine, a certain way of eating and, and you know, that, that was like, what do you call it when it's like in dynamic equilibrium throughout that time, you might have like various slight fluctuations but and then does it tend to mean that like the goalposts just get shifted and whatever you did before just doesn't work anymore and so it is that thing about look this thing the game is changing so you have to adapt and if you don't think of it like the rules are being changed you're going to start feeling really bad that these things are happening and things are changing that you don't want to happen and like a feeling of loss of agency and all that sort of stuff. So it's almost like being on the front foot and expecting that there are going to be some changes to the rules. Yeah. And it's like, right, how, what's our game plan? How are we going to approach this? Yeah. And, and just, you know, letting go of the fear around it as well. I mean, because it is a sequence of events and there is a, a for, for most women, a predictability about that. And so I think that's really empowering. Um, and I think it is about, you know, so I'm... I'm in my sort of, I can probably say late 30s, even though I'm technically very, very close to 40. <laughs> um, but I'm still going to run with late 30s. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm absolutely going to be on the front foot and, and sort of know, okay, well, now I'm, I'm going to start sort of transitioning and going to start doing more strength-based yeah, work. What, what um, is your plan? What What is, what does the next sort of, because I mean, it can start, like you said, did you say to the, in, while we were recording or like when can it start? Well, I mean, it, it's, it, it, again, like puberty, it's going to differ, you know, a lot for, for different people. So it can start anywhere from late 30s. Um, for some, I've got some clients and absolutely they're in their late 30s and they're experiencing perimenopausal symptoms uh, and others can be in their late 40s and still not be experiencing anything just yet. So it really does vary. But I would say most women, by the time they get to their sort of, early to mid 40s they're going to be experiencing you know some sort of change yeah, yeah in there so and get back to your game plan what are you thinking oh, then? my game plan <laughs> Stacy 2.0 <laughs> yeah look I think my game plan is just to um firstly actually to to really track and and probably pay closer attention to not just um changes in my menstrual cycle but changes in other areas of the body as well so um, you know, I would do that for, you know, for example, it might be some sleep tracking if I feel like, oh, that's sort of 
slipped a little bit. It might be some more routine pathology testing or adding some new or different things. Is that like blood tests and things like that? Yep. So some blood tests and and adding some new or different things on that that perhaps I didn't previously. So I might be starting to add a little bit more around blood sugar regulation or it might be around inflammation, for example, testing progesterone even, just to see sort of where I'm at a little bit more. Um, And really, I think sort of just making sure that that I am fueling uh, my body as much as I can and not underdoing nutrition at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause you said earlier today, protein is such an important thing as well. Mm, and yep. that can be under undercooked in this sort of situation. It can. Yeah. And I think because often one of the things that can happen in the first, those first couple of stages is, is as I mentioned that, that bit of weight gain. And so with that comes a bit of um, sometimes a bit of panic or a little bit of a reluctance uh, to, <laughs> yeah, right. a, a reluctance to lean into that and say, I'm going to eat more of these particular foods. And often uh, someone will just default to what has perhaps worked for them in the past, even if it wasn't all that healthy, which might be a low calorie sort of approach. So it might be, I'm just going to reduce my intake and see how I go. And then when that doesn't work, um, that that's, gets really frustrating, you know, for women. So, you know, and that, that really, in my experience, that, uh, you know, exercise more, eat less, um, especially, you know, up the anti on cardio and reduce the calories that doesn't work during perimenopause. Um, I have not, I'm yet to see that work <laughs> during, oh, wow. during perimenopause, to be honest. So it's, it's really more about um, making sure that, that you're yeah, eating for your current state of play, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which, which is really, again, about, well, how are you feeling? Um, and, are you getting enough of the nutrients in really that are going to ensure that you do have good metabolic health and that we're reducing the risk of insulin resistance, we're getting lots of anti-inflammatory nutrients in, so we're reducing inflammation that way, for example. So there's a whole range of ways to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. What are the, um, I guess, the newest updates around this whole thing then? Because you mentioned earlier that there's been so much learning in the last 10 years. How do you think it differs to the way it was thought of, say, 20 years ago? I think that there's a lot. Firstly, I think there's just a lot more discussion about it, which is great. Open discussion. It is less taboo, although it is still considered relatively um, taboo in some circles, which is, yeah, um, needs to be broken. But, you know, it is, I think, um, in terms of, I think, the understanding around, for example, again, to sort of relate it back to puberty, and we do understand that that doesn't happen overnight. And the more we can support, you know, uh, a, a child through that, for example, um, and support them all the way and be there and understand. And I think so there's just more there's more awareness. There is more support, I think. Um, and there is more just generally scientific understanding about what is actually happening yeah. in the body. Yeah. Well, when you say support, what sort of support do you suggest, you know, people do get? Mm. It depends on it depends on how they're feeling and what they're experiencing. So for some people, they might need a little bit more support in terms of, uh, you know, perhaps um, movement and what you know how to actually do this in a safe way. For example, if they're going to change up the way that they exercise, others it might be they really do need a little bit more support in terms of mental health. Um, you know, and 
you know, and, and even whether it be more regular checkups, for example, it might be more support around nutrition. It might be, you know, more support about lifestyle. So it, yeah, it really just depends on the person really. From a husband's perspective or partner's perspective, what are some of the things you hear from your patients about, oh, I wish my husband would understand this or I wish my husband would help with this or uh, do you, do any of those sort of conversations go about? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. And I think, um, like I've, I've had people say to me, I, I wish my husband would just bear with me. You know, I, I will come out the other side of this. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I, I can't really articulate what is happen, happening. Um, but it's often not, it's not personal. Yeah. I'm just going through so much change and I just need people to be supportive, I suppose, and, and understanding during that and, and patient, you know, during yeah. that process as well. Because I think one of the things that uh, Lucy Peach um, discussed in certainly in her podcast period queen was about like sex drive changing and stuff like that and like obviously the change in relationship as well all being overlaid on what this you know individually is actually going through personally as well like do you hear much around the sort of relationship sort of issues that that women are struggling with too yeah absolutely and i think you know, there are a lot of, um, yeah, obviously low libido can be, and there, you know, th- there's a lot of symptoms that can come, obviously, that can impact intimacy. And so I think in this instance, it's really, as with any symptom during, during perimenopause and menopause, it's just about always keeping the communication lines open and having honest and frank discussions um, together about what is actually happening and how someone might be feeling uh, through that. Because there are there are solutions along the way, you know, um, and there are ways in which, yeah, anyone can get support, I think, during, yeah, for, for whatever symptom they need um, support with. But, yeah, communication is is key. What do you think from a, a partner's perspective are things to look out for or things to be aware of to maybe step up and help with or things like that what, what advice would you give us guys oh i think as well as being super understanding rich <laughs> <laughs> um and curious you know just to be curious about what what she's going through um and what she's feeling but also what she feels she needs as well so that might be new and different to what she's needed previously uh, you know, to, to help her through through that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's answered. No, I think it's it's pretty uh, all-encompassing, really. Yeah. <laughs> like communication lines, keep those open and yeah. just be open and curious. And, and I suppose curiosity is a, a core thing there because that's the thing that I guess I felt was something that was not really allowed socially, like... I don't think I've ever talked about menopause with guy friends or girlfriends at all. And it's really bizarre when you think it is something that, you know, 50% of the population go through Mm. and it's still taboo in many circles. So like, why is that, do you reckon? Ah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think maybe because there is, or there traditionally has been, um, you know, not even just about menopause, but about, you know, menstrual cycles, as as Lucy Peach sort of talked about, there was that that's not necessarily something that, for example, dads are 
uh, are very aware of. It's not something that, that you know, that they, that they grow up knowing about necessarily. So, you know, I think that just carries through to menopause because it's, it's all about reproduction and reproductive change essentially. Um, but also I think, you know, often it is thought of or traditionally has been thought of as just being, you know, almost something that, um, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just can think about certain memes and things that I've read about, oh, here come the hot flushes again, or, you know, and it's sort of almost, you know, um, awfully in some ways sort of laughed off um, or downplayed uh, as being, you know, something that a woman's going through that, you know, we just, yeah, that, that, that is, is, um, we just have to sort of suffer through that essentially, but it's, yeah, it's fortunately, I think that's different now. Um, and there just has to be, there just has to be more support and education around it because it is a, it's a massive time in a woman's life. Yeah. What What do you reckon things could look like in, I don't know, perfect worlds? What do you think it would be like for a woman going through perimenopause if we're in a situation that was amazing I think um she would just be able to speak really openly about it and this is what I'm feeling this is what I'm going through this is what I have to do at this stage in my life because um I'm in a period of recalibration and you know just being I suppose really open and empowered about what she's feeling and what she feels she needs you know in terms of um space or support or time or whatever it might be, um, you know, to actually, you know, get through that. So I think it's really just far more open conversation. I love the way you said that, Stacey, in the sense that I kind of love the idea that you would have that conversation with the kids and say, just out on the table, guys, I'm going through this. This is what it is. Everyone goes through it, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, is female. And this is what I need and this is what's got to be happening. So bear with me. And I love that idea that the kids are totally across it and it's completely normalized. Whereas I bet that has virtually never happened in the history of mankind. I don't know, but um, certainly didn't happen in my household growing up. But like that definitely feels like something that's doable. For sure. And that yeah. the partner can be really supportive of that as well and sit down with the kids together. Yeah, absolutely. And and also then it obviously carries forward to, you know, those children because then they understand that this is this is a natural process and that this is to come. So just as a you know, as a as a young girl would understand at some point that I will get my period and this is what a period is and then I will, you know, perhaps have babies and get pregnant and this is what happens to the body during that that particular time. It's just like that, you know, it's spoken about in that same sort of way um, because it is, it's just following on, you know, from that. Yeah. That's awesome, Stacey. Thank you so much. Like, that's just, um, yeah, I, I still, it beggars belief that it's something that I've hardly even heard, let alone talked about. But um, I suppose what would be any last messages that you might have for people because actually a surprising number of um, female listeners listen to the show. So, I mean, what what message would you like to share with someone that's coming up to this to, you know, period in their life maybe? Yeah, I think um, 
my biggest message would be because there is quite a bit of fear um, around, you know, perimenopause and menopause. And so I think my message would be the more you learn, the more you can you can sort of reduce some of that fear or most of that fear, or all of that fear, hopefully, and actually just embrace that change. Um, and really then you, you're very empowered to know how to support yourself through that and know that this is a critical window. This is, this is amazing that this, that we get this sort of period of recalibration that we can then bounce off this hopefully into postmenopause and say, look out world, you know? So I think, um, it would be that, you know, stay curious and learn more whether you're a woman or a man about it, because it's pretty amazing. And the body is incredible and it doesn't do these things you know by accident and so I think um, it's it's a wonderful opportunity I think also to sort of reassess what we're doing in our lives um, the choices that we're making and how we're looking after ourselves. Are there any good resources books things like that that you'd recommend? Yeah, there's some there's some good sort of online, like the Australian Menopause Institute, for example. Um, but there's a good book by Lara Bryden called Hormone Repair Manual that is quite user-friendly and often I recommend that to clients, yeah. Awesome. Well, Stacey, legend as always. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. That's been really great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for listening. Stacey actually sent me a whole list of other resources that you might like to check out if you or someone you know is curious to learn more about perimenopause. I'll put all the links in the show notes. If this episode has resonated with you and you haven't already, the thing that you can do to help the most is to follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends is of course awesome and really helpful. For podcast updates, please subscribe to the newsletter, which you can find along with all the show notes at thedadmindset.com. Well, that's about it from me for now. I hope you have a great week and as always, enjoy your caffeinated beverage.